0: Here they are the famous touch tones that signal our straight talk segment here on Real Presence Live. Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer joining you from the Diocese of Fargo. And we want you to be part of the conversation today. Please call us at eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two or you can submit a question on the Facebook page for Real Presence Radio.
1: Yeah, you know, um Here's, as we wait for our, our call screen to light up with all the callers who are going to call in and Facebooks there you go and, yes and again because it's like you know Father Gross and I love hearing ourselves talk but we'd rather we'd rather listen to you but so so here's something I was, I was kind of teasing you off air a little bit about asking if you like Hallmark uh, movies or whatever and the reason being is I, I said that, you know some days I think I live in a Hallmark movie but the so recently so I, I you know I'm the pastor of uh, three. Tiny rural parishes, and I live in Piesick, North Dakota, mm-hmm. right, in Czech community. Piesick literally means sand or gravel, and that's—it's mm-hmm. a town back in the Czech Republic, and we live on the in the gravel quarry area of the former Lake Agassiz, the former beach, or mm-hmm. it's kind of well, anyway. So you know, I don't know if you've noticed, Father Gross, but uh, the times are right now—they're kind of—they're kind of heavy. You yes. Know, drought, bad crops, bad prices. Afghanistan, Haiti. Haiti. Yeah, it's been a it's been a rough last week po- or two. Politics in the world, politics in the church. Oh, it's just a lot of heaviness, a lot of heaviness. So that's right. You know, I was really kind of thinking, just in sense, saying, and looking at my community and saying, you know, we need a break. We need a break. And what can we do? And can we be instrumental in this? And so. You know, and I think the church plays a, a central role in whether, no matter what your faith perspective, is, but in these communities, to say, hey, let's 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 make a difference here. We're we're here. We're faith. We're a beacon of faith here. What can we do? So, I thought, well, what do I have? What could I offer? So we, uh, you know, reached out to some of the local community members and said, we need a day. We need a day for everybody to have hope and faith and fun and and so. And of course, you know me. One of the things about me is I like to ride bike, right? So. Mm-hmm. And I know how to do it. So I said, we're going to put on a gravel bike race. We live in the gravel capital, gravel bike race. Now, a lot of the listeners might not know this, but gravel biking is taking over the world. It's, it's it's this new hot rage. Everything's happening there. Having all these gravel rides everywhere. So what it is, you have this bike that can go anywhere. Can go on pavement, can go on gravel, can go, okay. Mm-hmm. And, and cyclists are doing this now because it's a lot more safe than riding on the busy roads. There's been a lot of cycling deaths and stuff because of the paved roads. So it's Europe everywhere where it's taking off. There's these huge events where people are short, like Lemon, South Dakota last hmm. week, 150 people there, whatever. So I uh, got a whole of a couple of key people I said, hey, let's have an event, let's celebrate our town, let's get people to come here. And it has taken off like wildfire. The the people are on fire, the businesses are on fire. And so October 2nd we're gonna have, we're declaring it's a gravel bike race and get so we're gonna have and I've designed a course that goes up into the hills. It's a loop right around the town. You come in and out, and everybody's going to ring ringing cowbells, and the church bells are going to ring as they come through. But it's like a 25-mile loop, and there's going to be a gold division where um, 50 miles and a silver division, 25 miles, and then there's an ice cream loop. It's just six miles, three miles up the... Pengillies Hill and back, you know, and then you end up at the J-Mart eating ice cream, you know, and, and we've got these awesome t-shirts we've designed and all this, and there's real gold, we're offering real gold for the gold division. Oh my division goodness.
0: And real silver, and y- like... You guys must be flush up there we're, in we're, Walsh we're County. Talking, I
1: mean, <laughs> yeah, we're talking like, I mean, you know, $1,000 worth of prizes here, I mean, it's, it's really taken off, and, and so, and I say, and what, what's been so awesome about this, and so the, get this, the name of it is going to be the Nepamuk Gnarly, because Nepamuk is John, St. John yes. Thomasine mm-hmm. he's from Nepamuk, which is mm-hmm. also associated with gravel and and gnarly because it goes good but um, but he 's going to be the mascot for this thing and and what 's happening is it 's really given people something else to think about and focus and a day to celebrate life and the town and like the the antique car guys are coming out the the restored tractor guys are coming out, the motorcycle guys are coming out everyone's going to be there and Anyway, I, I'm, I'm just I'm just proposing this, mm-hmm. and maybe the listeners are listening, and saying like, "Hey, do you have a, an idea for your local community? What what could we do in this time where things are really heavy, mm-hmm. where we could actually celebrate life? We could actually do something to take a break from yeah. the anxiety, the being on one side of an issue and another side mm-hmm. of an issue, right? Just come and together it's not and it's life.
0: not escapism, but it's enjoying one another's gifts and and, and, and uh, actually, fellowship. And when
1: I when I'm teasing about being a Hallmark movie, what I mean is like people who we've never come together and talked about things or done things also, we've come together, we're talking to each other, we're associating, we're having fun together. Right. And it isn't just Catholic people. It's like everybody. And it, it just, it's mm-hmm. just fun. And well, it's good it's, for you guys. And it's spread out to the communities. And I Yeah. So I'm just saying, you know, again, I'm, I'm saying this as a word of hope on right. the air this morning. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? I think we need to get proactive mm-hmm. in bringing life instead of reactive to all the heaviness yeah. and say like, we are an all people. We're eastward looking. We, we mm-hmm. this is the day the Lord is coming. So
0: let us let's live. Well, good way. for you guys. So Saturday, October second, in the um, uh, metropolitan area of Piszek, we're looking forward to that. Thanks for sharing that, Father Leffer. And so we'd like to hear from you guys as well. If there's something coming up in your community that really you've been inspired to do, similarly to this, or any other questions you may have, eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two, and then we also have the. Um, Uh, Yeah, We also have the Facebook page for Real Presence Radio that you can put on, too. Um, I wanted to just begin here by uh, sharing something that uh, I had come across uh, a column written by a contributor to the National Catholic Register, a gentleman by the name of John Clark. And uh, this uh, little column is entitled, Dear Priests, It's Time for the Biggest Outreach in Church History. And different parts of the country have had different experiences, but I think it's helpful for us to, at least for Father Leffer, for you and me to look at, what we're Um, maybe not uh, directly perceiving in terms of the experience that a lot of our faithful have had and things that we can do to assist them. And so I just want to start with uh, an anecdote that he shares in uh, in this article. He said, one Sunday last year, now I'm presuming this was at some point in the time of 2020, I showed up for Mass only to be told that the church was already at full capacity. After being told there was no more room, I expected to at least watch the Mass from outside, yet I was told that the doors must remain shut during Mass. This directive, which had the effect of limiting fresh air inside the church, still has me stumped. Then again, the year 2020 was not a great year for logic. So that's kind of his aside there. So I stayed outside instead and read e- and read the day's gospel on my iPhone and listened for the sound of bells in order to kneel on the concrete during the consecration. Unpermitted... To even be on the outside looking in, I was on the outside listening in, or at least trying to do so. That effort might describe the situation of many Catholics in 2020. So he gives... um, three general suggestions. The clergy must admit that many members of the laity have been mistreated since March 2020. Second, the clergy should express sorrow that many members of the laity have been ignored during the pandemic. And then he says, third, we need to learn about the importance of the sacraments again. And I want to share one other paragraph from this that was really a food for thought, he says. And, and he prefaces this by talking about how much he appreciates what um, uh, you know the, the clergy have been doing and not to minimize that, but he says, Dear Priests, as part of your post-COVID outreach program, please pick up the phone. If you can't think of anything else to say, say you're sorry. It is a built-in irony of Catholicism that members of the laity often say to priests, I am sorry, but rarely does the reverse occur. This is a perfect opportunity to do so. Be prepared to listen to some very frustrated parishioners who have felt abandoned for the past year and a half. Please be prepared to be empathetic because that empathy might make all the difference both in this world and in the next. I just thought that was a very um, uh, thought-provoking reflection. Something that uh, really kind of got my mind going. So, Father Gross, what in that? What what strikes you as like
1: his three th- suggestions, so forth? Even that. Th- how, how does it strike you as a pastor of a larger parish? You know, I yeah. I, I have some ideas about my smaller situation, mm-hmm. but what I mean? How how does it strike you? What he's challenging us there is peace.
0: It, it's a lot of. It, it, it's how to. I think balance both the things that I myself can do and how to delegate and to empower the things that are proper for other people to do. That this really becomes something, you know, the things that we do for good are going to be grassroots initiatives of people reaching out to other people and, and helping one another. So how do I, you know, not appear to be wanting to take everything over or remove something that properly belongs to various people? Yeah, that's kind of one thing that came to mind. You know, mind. I know like yeah. one of the things that uh, just going back to the beginning. All this, there's, this, I,
1: I am not one. Of, I'm not a technologically inclined individual. I, I love human interaction, human. So, mm-hmm. and I know technology is extremely important where we live right now and the world and how we communicate and all that. And so, uh, you know, I get by with it, but I, I, I prefer not to relate to i prefer like what we're doing sitting across from each other and having a mm-hmm. awesome conversation the but when COVID hit you know there was all this i'd say pressure like i had no intention for example doing live streaming or whatever well certain people came to me and said father you're going to do this for us we need this you know and i'm like Ugh, you know they talked and, and i and i did it i did it for a spell but it was for me personally it was totally exhausting to do mm-hmm. that live stream that's really it's hard, difficult, and you know, I'm glad I did it, but as soon as I could get out of it, I did. You know, I backed right. out of it. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. no, but to say then, what happened, what it morphed into was, for me, and again, and I don't think this would, this, it might work in a bigger setting, because with uh, adaption for technology, but what yeah. happened to me was, okay, it's very important to stay in touch with my people. How do we do this? And so I started this, these like daily text messages, and it mm-hmm. started out kind of small or whatever. whatever. Right. And it, it, it's built into something now, and it's continued, and it's, I've got grace to do it right now, so it's. But, but not no, not every single parishioner, but I'd say probably majority of my parishioners, and on a, a daily level, I'm communicating with them through a, a text message, a mm. reflection on scriptures, or what have you. And of course, it's not going to meet everybody's needs, But I think, but at the heart of it, in a in a pretty effective way, communicating to my people, I'm thinking about you. I'm praying for you. Here here's a word of communication from the Lord from your pastor today for you. Mm-hmm. And what it's done is it's allowed different people in different ways and different days to contact back or let me know this is going on or this or that. So it's almost underneath all the this bigger stuff that's going on here that we can't control or anything about, there's this down below thing that addresses what he's saying in that article. Mm-hmm the lay people have been hurt, they've been locked out, they've been left out, they've been
0: denied, They've been, and they're not going to get over that easy. You right. Know? And we, from our perspective, I think, as, as clergy, it's important for us not to uh, appear as though we are indifferent to the things that have been happening, but to see where we can go the extra mile, um, not knowing what you know tangible results may come about but just because it's the right thing to do 8777950122 is our phone number you can also leave a question on our facebook page here at real presence radio so here here's i mean this is the talk
1: about jumping into the out of the pan into the fire but um you know the whole the whole vaccine thing right now and it, it's it's affecting people i know personally in very dramatic ways you know right. so you know again they're get into the whole thing about should, are the vaccines a good thing or are they a bad thing should you be vaccinated should you not be and even though using the word vaccine people react to it because they're saying they're not true vaccines they're this other thing you know i mean mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. over but uh, on the ground level i mean i've been relating to a number of people now like i uh, um i think Cardinal soupich has just come out and he's required all priests and all all staff of his archdiocese have six weeks to be
0: if, right. And then if, there's another if, question about that, whether or not an individual pastor can grant exemptions for any given right. reason among so, their own employees. So how
1: this is coming down, and so as schools started up here and so forth, there are certain Catholic institutions and other ones that have said, uh, universities mandating if you're going to come back, you have to be vaccinated. So I know, I, I know of five students who they were in their last year or whatever, they dropped out of their program because they in their conscience, they could not see to uh-huh. to getting vaccinated i I know of somebody who's discerned to quit a like a very well paying job in the health industry because they're required to get vaccinated and anyway i mean it's like having real life uh, things, and I know like in the in the bigger cities, I have some no. priest friends where are happening where people like literally parishes are saying, you're not welcome if you're not vaccinated. I, anyway, I mean, I, this, this thing really kind of stirs me up and I, I feel yeah. pretty passionate about like, you, you know, know and w- it- where's the room for, where's room for,
0: Right. Peableness, well, it, you know, you know and, and, and there are a lot of people I think in different parts of the country who listen to what you're saying. and It's like, well, why would anyone draw that line in the sand? Why wouldn't they just, you know, why wouldn't they just go along? And then there's all of the um, kind of the rhetoric or the propaganda about you're saving lives and all of the rest of that. Right. You know? You know,
1: I, I think, and it, so for me, I guess what I'm trying to get is the whole thing about conscience. Like, what what is conscience? And we're as a church, we're, we're the big ones who always defend conscience, and we where it's where it's mm-hmm. at and, and i think so much of um we're reacting so strongly out of fear and so much stuff like to where like in that article he said yeah. we weren't rational we're not mm-hmm. we've kind of we've become irrational and in, in many yeah. normal and to the point where we're actually saying anti-catholic things when we when we're impo- you know mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. imposing kind of things and i just i just I, I, like, even as a priest, I sit here at times, like, I'm looking for the voice of my Heavenly Father through all of this thing. Father, where are you? Uh-huh. Your, your children are squabbling down here, and we're, yeah. we're not doing a good
0: job of... And I personally you know, think about, you know, like, what, um, what should my soapbox look like, you know, in terms of things that I say publicly, whether it be from the pulpit or, you know, at the end of liturgies, and... and whether it's a cop out somebody you know might might think that others may not but my decision has been to try to um engage that particular topic as little as possible from that context because people are wanting refreshment they're wanting to hear about the word of god they're wanting to participate in the faith that they've been you know raised in and, and in the sacraments and they, they're weary of all of this that they have to navigate and all that they have to hear and, you know, around them. It's like, do I want to pile on to that, you know, when they're coming here? And like I say, it, it might be a cop-out because, well, you know, people might say, well, Father, we need you to help us kind of navigate our way through with this. But then, I mean, it, 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 there are very few things that have been so sharply divisive. Well, the, in in yeah. in, in, well, in the setting of a community as what, what i've seen a, in the last say, year. it's
1: like there's no, nobody has a neutral opinion on this it's it's like you're either for or you're against or
0: you're either for or against you're this mm-hmm. or that and it's just yeah. like boom there's no, and you're like what what happened? Yeah my it's school ca- board people are okay or no we got to recall them tomorrow right know? right so it's like what
1: happened to the catholic position of oftentimes it, most of the time it's always both and or there's it's in the finding a way in the middle with reason and logic but also room mm-hmm. for for the human person, you know, I was thinking about the Hobbit. They're the little person. I mean, mm-hmm. usually what happens here when we we get so dogmatic on this stuff, the little person gets crushed. You know, you're like you're describing. Your, yeah. th- we need to make room for the people to come to the sacraments or whatever. Mm-hmm. So if we're I, I don't know right. but I, I just I mean people yeah. are hurting they're hurting mm-hmm. they're, I mean it just it's, it's amazing and the, yeah. the, the choices they're being forced to right. make right now <laughs> really yeah, whether
0: it things. be in bureaucracy or academia, there are certain elements in life that are just so against any form of accommodation against any form of uh, forgiveness or conversion and that are acting you know rather tyrannically and you know, there's a Catholic sentiment that says no you know that, that ought not to happen because we can point to many different areas in history where where that did happen and it was catastrophic you know and i've heard a number of interviews with the bioethics uh, center whatever okay and and i think they're they are
1: desperately trying to get the message out there of people there's got to be room here yeah okay yep the the vaccines yep but there's got to be room for conscience here there's there's got to be a way to respect and there's because we're we're starting to like declare mm-hmm. wars within the church itself against one another here, or we were, you know, the catechism says that we have a moral obligation to think the best of each other, you know, and I think we're starting from the principle where we think the worst of each other. Mm-hmm. We automatically, when we approach each other, we're yeah. we're thinking the worst because of fear, and mm-hmm. that. I mean, really. We really need to proclaim a gospel of hope right now, yeah. coming against fear, mm-hmm.
0: taking a deep breath, and saying, "Look, it is a small step on the slippery slope from saying somebody is misguided or wrong to saying that somebody is evil or corrupted." And people are just going to the very end of the of the pendulum, you know, very quickly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So we just have a few minutes left here in our straight talk segment, and as we said, we are dying to hear from some of you as well. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two is the number. We just have a few minutes left here, Father Leffer. I wanted to just address something quickly uh, with regard to especially the fact that we're in ordinary time now and we're thinking about all of these um, uh, different celebrations uh, that that come up um, throughout the course of the year. Um, When I use the word feast day, let's say that there is an event in the life of Christ or his Blessed Mother or a certain saint or a group of saints, martyrs, things like that. The word feast day I use in a very general sense, like anything that ends up on the calendar. Many of you who are listening receive calendars from your parish, uh, the month-by-month calendars that have um, delineated the various memorials that come up but there are certain ranks of those things and the the word feast day in terms of using that can inc- include an umbrella of all different sorts of things and it can be kind of confusing to people you know like uh, what you know what which things are more important than which you know like how these different categories stack up so I thought we could just give a little couple minutes primer on some of those things sure you know and, and you know so there's going to be
1: various reasons why they rank differently. One of the reasons is geographical association. So, like, for example, right now, I know uh, our bishop, Bishop Fulda, he's on one of those bishops' committees that deals with this. And uh, so, you know, Mother Teresa was canonized mm-hmm. recently, okay? Yep. And I, my understanding is when it starts, it's always for the local area where she was or what's personally connected, that this is uh, basically a solemnity for them on her, I think it's September 5th, if I remember Something right. like that, you yeah, know, right, right around the corner. Her or kinda of, but now for the rest of the world it doesn't it doesn't appear in the calendar and you're like, mm-hmm. What? I thought she was canonized on mm-hmm. September fifth, what's going on here? And you actually have to appeal and get permission to celebrate a liturgy in her honor. Well then then what happens is th- they'll kind of loosen up, and let's because she has houses, her her sisters throughout the whole world. Like we, yeah. Winnipeg has one, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Twin Cities, so forth around. Many of us priests in the diocese of Fargo, we've we've worked with the sisters and we give retreats for them and so forth. So it's a, it's a personal thing for us where we have this personal connection with them. So there really is a desire to celebrate. Well, so he's gone through the process and they've appealed, and he has told us that. Permission has been granted, and she is going to be appearing sometime in the near future on the general calendar. Mm-hmm. As, so then, it for I don't know if it's just for our metropolitan, or if it's for the universal church. I, I would assume it's going to be for the universal church, because she has tremendous universal appeal. Right. Like, okay. So she's one of those, would you say?
0: As much as almost anybody, yeah. you know, and, in the Even last... though she's a small person, she is universal. <laughs> she's a big <laughs> saint, you yes. know? So, yeah. Um,
1: and so, so in the near future, on those calendars you get from your parish, mm-hmm. September 5th, you're going to see St. Right. Jesus of Calcutta. Mm-hmm. Will show up on and,
0: there. and the regional effect uh, weighs in, in a lot of other things. For example, with St. Kateri Tekawitha for the church in the United States, or um, Our Lady of Guadalupe being at the rank of a feast, um, you know, for the Americas. So you have solemnities. You have feasts, you have memorials, and within the category of memorials, some of them are obligatory, which might be on your month-by-month calendar, it's typed in all caps, whereas an optional memorial is not, and it's largely the discretion. Let's say during ordinary time of the local pastor, as to whether or not he wants to do that. I have a priest friend of mine who is very partial toward the um, the, the memorials of martyrs, and so if it's in the season of ordinary time, for sure you can almost guarantee he's going to celebrate one of those, even if it's not uh, you know obligatory. And it's interesting you
1: say that because even in our the Roman Missal as priests, mm. martyrs always appear first because it's one of those kind of mm-hmm. higher ones up there. But but yeah, so like as I always tell people, well you can tell. What's going on? Was there a Gloria? And then you know, was there a creed? You know, so you have so even as you're celebrating as a priest, depending on what's it'll change the color, for example, right. that the mm-hmm. priest wears. That's an yep. indicator. Um so if it's red, it's gonna be blood or the Holy Spirit, sure. Right coming. Um, if if you if you see violet, it's gonna be penitential mm-hmm. of, of some kind. Um right, white is glory, so wow. that's gonna be victory, resurrection. So it's probably a saint or one of the Uh victorious ones, and then, then again for the day, yes. The priest, as pastor, has to make some discernment on some of those optional memorials. Mm -hmm. Does this have a direct connection to my parish, my people, their heritage, or what the saint represented or stood for, or? Is it important we celebrate this to educate the people so they become aware of, like, say, the the Korean martyrs, for mm-hmm. example, or mm-hmm.
0: the, you know, different yeah. places in the world, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I thought it was also important to mention that there are certain s- seasons of the year that will trump some of this whole discussion. Let's say if you're in Holy Week or in the we- the octave of Easter or in the final days of Christmas, for example, there's a saint. I believe it's December twenty-first, Saint Peter Canisius, who is the yeah. second <laughs> apostle to Germany, uh, one of the first <laughs> Jesuits, and somebody who I. Think Thinking, a lot of people would say, you know, this is a guy that we really should uh, uh, heighten in terms of his exposure, but what's happening at that time of the church year, every single year, it's the final weekdays of the season of Advent. And so, uh, unless you had uh, uh, an institution or a parish that was named after him, you know, or like, for example, our friends in Montana, the Diocese of Helena, you know, St. Helena would be a solemnity se- celebrated in that cathedral, but it's not necessarily a day that's coming I up on the feeling- yeah, for
1: Saint John the Apostle, because he's a tremendous saint, but he kind of gets Trump a Christmas every year, you know. <laughs> but you know, but yeah. people, you experienced this just recently. We were doing the the six weeks of the Bread of Life discourse, the beautiful Gospels of John, on the Eucharist for every Sunday. But then the fe- the solemnity of the Assumption came on a Sunday. And we missed the climax of the entire Bread of Life discourse yes. because the prayers of Our Lady of the Assumption took precedence over it. Mm-hmm. So this past Sunday, I don't know how you addressed it, Father, but I like, well, we need to reflect back on what you didn't hear yeah. in order to make yeah. this Sunday make sense to you. But that's an example of right, how right. these things push Well, it,
0: and and some there are going to be some months where the Sundays just kind of flatten things, in a sense, you know, because the 22nd of August, that would have been the queenship, queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary. This coming Sunday would be the martyrdom of St. John the Baptist, and various other things like that. It's just kind of the luck of the draw, whereas flip that around, some some years you'll get like the dedication of St. John Lateran Basilica, which lands on a Sunday. Well, we're celebrating that because it's a feast, you know, a feast of the Lord, and so we're celebrating that in ordinary time, or when the Transfiguration, August 6th, lands on a Sunday, that takes its place. And and then here's another
1: thing that people need to understand. There's two two competing calendars going on. You have the solar calendar, Calendar and the lunar calendar. So, like, if you ask somebody, you always have fun with this what day of the week is Easter this year? yeah well it's always going to be Sunday, but if you say well what day of the week is Christmas this year mm-hmm. and and also is it close to a weekend or is it in the middle? because that right. affects this year and all you this.
0: know what we have we've got the back to back yes, we've got uh, Christmas on a Saturday and then Holy Family on a Sunday there's folks I'm sorry there's no <laughs> two for one special you are asked to attend Mass for both the solemnity of Christmas and for your Sunday ob- uh, obligation uh, before we step aside here, I uh, just want to share some thoughts that were given on Facebook uh, Julie Says good morning to us. Thank you for being on this morning. Uh, The St. Monica's Novena, she appreciates uh, us having prayed that. Uh, that St. Monica is a powerhouse and a great inspiration for motherly prayer for the conversion of her child. So it, it's not just moms. I know there are a lot of grandmas and grandpas who are involved in this and all sorts of family members. So um, yes, I think St. Monica perhaps has never been more uh, impactful with regard to Catholic life than uh, than she is nowadays. Mm-hmm. And so... Um, all right, this so we're gonna wrap things up here in our uh, segment, and um, unfortunately, Father, we had to listen to our voices again. Oh, uh. you know, it's it's such a cross <laughs> to bear. It's much more of a cross to bear for our listeners than for, for it is for for us ourselves. But, Put that number away, 877 877- <laughs> and remember for, for the next Straight Talk. Absolutely, yes, yes. We look forward to hearing from you. So we're coming up to the uh, end of this first hour of the program. We're going to start the next hour with uh, a bishop of the Archdiocese of St. Paul, Minneapolis, from our very own region here, uh, as we were talking about metropolitans. Uh, Archbishop Hebda is the metropolitan, but we'll be visiting with Auxiliary Bishop Andrew Cousins, and we'll start that conversation afterwards. We come back from this break. You're listening to Real Presence Live.